1: a total career success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers, to achieve their potential, and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson.
2: Welcome, everyone. We're uh, glad you're joining us today. Ken and Cheryl here with Darlene O'Brien with Blind Ambition on Work Opportunities for the Disabled. We have a unique program today as our guest experienced the loss of her sight as an adult and faced the challenge of adapting her life and career to her disability. She will share how she was able to create a new vision for herself and make a transforming difference in the lives and careers of many others who are disabled. Stay with us for a fascinating look at how each of us can make a difference in the lives of the disabled. We will address the challenges and opportunities for both employers and disabled candidates. Well, let me give you a brief uh, introduction to Darlene O'Brien. Her company is aptly named Blind Ambition, capturing her zestful approach to life and her determination to open opportunities for the disabled to work and achieve their own ambitions. Blind Ambition offers a disability etiquette training and keynote addresses to both private corporations and government agencies. Darlene's enthusiasm and tell-it-like-it-is humorous style has won over audiences in both the public and private sectors. Darlene served as the career developer for the Society for the Blind in Sacramento, California, where she resides. <clears throat> she was a liaison between applicants and employers, coordinating the recruitment process, including interviewing, a review of accessibility issues, evaluating job sites, and recommending assistive technology for jobs. Darlene received the 2005 Community Service Award issued by the California Council for the Blind and was initiated into the Heroes Hall of Fame when the Women's National Basketball Association and Toyota Corporation recognized her work. Welcome, Darlene. We're delighted to have you join us today.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you, Cheryl and Ken. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
2: Very nice to have you with us, Darlene. Well, thank you, Ken. Well, why don't you start, Darlene, just by sharing a little bit of your story of how you lost your sight and the process that you experienced in adjusting to your new reality?
3: Sure. Um, well, I'm presently 46 years old at the time. Uh, 46 years old at the time of this interview, and when I was 11 years old, I lost the sight in my right eye. And I was born um, with sight, just nearsighted. Wore glasses as a little girl. And at 11 years old, in one day, basically in a 24-hour period, I lost the sight in my right eye due to a detached retina, which in this day and age, you know, it's 2010, and if you have a detachment in your retina or a hole or a tear, they can easily repair those. It just so happens that I, we didn't find out until years later, inherited um, something that, um, it's a genetic disorder that made my retina seem much older and much weaker than my 11-year-old, you know, um, age, you know, uh, predicted. So I lost the sight in my right eye, and there really wasn't much we could do about it. But you know what? You can do so many things in the world with just seeing out of one eye. It doesn't really change much. Um, I got my driver's license. I continued to play basketball, which is my favorite sport. And um, when I was – I got married, and I had two daughters. And when I was pregnant with my youngest daughter – um, I started seeing the same indicators in my left eye that I had seen in my right eye when I was 11, and you know, fortunately for me, Cheryl and Ken, my um, the technology had really advanced since my last experience with with the detached retina, and I fought for six years and that hot you know uh, laser surgery and gas bubbles and all sorts of technology that we have available to us now to save the sight in my left eye. And I did that for six years, you know, with the uh, 13 surgeries um, until finally, in the 12th surgery, um, everything went went uh, dark in the operating room. And it was a, it was a good fight, though we put up a good fight. And uh, um, through those six years, I was considered visually impaired. I had days where I had no vision at all, days where I could see a little bit better. You know, I like to, I kind of describe it to people. It's like you know, when you um, are in the shower and you have a shower curtain that's kind of like a uh, that white, hazy, you know, that you can kind of look through it, but you can't really look
4: through it. Yeah, kind of milky.
3: Exactly. A lot of days that's what I would see. Um, I would see flashes of color but not really anything else. And then I would have a corneal transplant or something, and then after the healing of that surgery, I would have a little bit more, and then I'd have another retinal detachment, and then I'd have another gas bubble. So it was just this roller coaster for six years and, you know, I really, I fought and I fought, you know, being the mother of two young daughters. Bailey was nine at the time and Kelsey was just about to turn six. And I just thought, you know, I can't be blind. You know, I, I would rather be visually impaired. I would rather save just, just one modicum of sight as opposed to nothing at all. I thought that was like the worst thing that could possibly happen. And when it all did go dark... Um that was the dawning of a new day for me. Um that was in November of nineteen ninety eight and this November I'll be coming up on my twelve year anniversary of not seeing anything at all. I don't even see light perception anymore. Um and there there were some serious adaptations, as you can well imagine. Um I had to give up driving six years earlier because, you know, of like I, how I described my sight going, you know, and now with no sight at all, you know, they frown on blind people, you know, behind the wheel of a car. Um I, I try to talk my friends and family into letting let me you know drive their cars around parking lots, but nobody's nobody's biting yet you know
2: <laughs> um and i
3: do that's one thing I do miss is driving is driving I love the freedom of being able to just grab my keys and my you know my my purse and hopping in the car and driving to a store or going to visit a family member or a friend or going for a drive um i do I miss that freedom, so there's some some things that you know you just have to. Transition into a new mindset um, and move
4: forward. Thoroughly look at seniors, and the last thing that they ever want to give up to is the keys of the car. I mean, uh, you know.
3: I empathize. Uh, Ken, oh yeah. I, I empathize. You know what? There's a there's a genuine grieving process.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: It. You know what? And the family members who who are you know the children of the of the seniors of their parents who are now in their senior years and they're you know maybe. Even in their sixties, maybe even their seventies, eighties, nineties, they're like, "No, I don't want to give up my keys." Oh boy! Members are like, "Mom, Dad, it's not safe." There's they're a like, there's a pro- There's something else that needs to be addressed. There's a psychological effect there that if I can't drive, I I lose all of my independence.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
3: Ken, that really does.
4: Oh. It, it
3: speaks to the heart of blind people across the country and people who are visually impaired and for a lot of people that were born with sight, like myself, and then to think, wait, a life without sight is a life without freedom, a life without independence, and that's where your head goes because that's all we know. We live in such a visual society that that's all we think is possible, what about TV, movies, video games, your cell phone, um, you know, driving cars, as we mentioned, um, working in your yard, raising your children, you know, how do you earn a living if you can't see anything?
4: Absolutely.
3: So, you know, that's where I was in 1998. It's thinking, well, well, what now? What now? And the answer is twofold. Number one, it's allowing yourself the grieving process to close the chapter to what used to be. And I think, you know, if I lived in the mindset of I used to see, I used to be able to do it, I used to be able to do this, and now I can't, and then you feel that it's like like you've been begrudged something, you know, like you're being denied something, that can really eat away at you,
4: see that. Um,
3: you know, and... Or you can choose to say, that was then, this is now, so what do I do from this moment forward that enables me to fulfill, you know, my fullest potential and be the best darlene I can possibly be in this lifetime? Okay, and now it's without any sight. So what does that look like? So in comes part two of that, and that is learning how to be functional, how to be independent how to live my best life with no sight at all. And the only way to do that, Cheryl and Kent, is to get the skills that you need to be that functional human being. I had to relearn just about everything. Let's oh. just start with walking. My, I'm, I'm in great health, thank goodness. And everything else is working just fine. Legs are doing great. And I can physically walk down a hallway or I can open my front door and step out on the porch, but then what? If you can think about stepping out on your front porch with your eyes closed or with, with sleeping shades on or blindfold and tackling the very next thing with no sight at all, you quickly realize, whoa, I can't see where I'm going. That's
4: right. I've got to learn how to do this.
3: So there's something in the blindness community um, called – orientation and mobility, and that is basically when a trained professional works with you one-on-one, teaching you how to properly use a white cane. And the white cane is a symbol of low vision or no vision in the country and really worldwide. And it used to be that they'd have a red tip. You know, it's not so much the case. If you see white cane, then you know, you know, you're in the presence of somebody with some degree of visual impairment, doesn't matter how much. And the cane, you know, you can, you know, get the cane in your hand and you put that out there and it's an extension of you. Now the tip of the cane is going to help you to get the cues in your environment that your eyes would have given you before.
2: One minute. So
3: you're walking forward and you're able to determine whether there's a curb or a step or stairway or anything like that. And... And, you know, when we get back from the break, perhaps it sounds like we're going to take a break. I can I can tell you more about orientation and mobility.
4: Well, you're a fascinating person, Darlene, and we are absolutely honored to have you on. And uh, all I can say is uh, our listeners are already humbled by what they hear, and uh, you deserve all the accolades you've gotten for helping so many people, and uh, I can't say enough about having you on.
2: Well, thanks, Ken. I appreciate being here. I really do. Well, we have a lot more to share, so we want everyone to stay tuned. And when we get back, we're going to talk about not only adjusting to a disability, but also the opportunities that can be opened up for your, both your life and your work. So stay tuned.
5: News. 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 Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com.
3: Best.
5: Stimulating talk
1: gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast.
5: All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
1: You are listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. Hannah Sherrill here with Darlene O'Brien, and we're talking uh, with her about uh, adapting to one's disability. In her case, uh, it's blindness. And, Darlene, you were sharing with us some of the adaptations that has helped you to readjust. Uh, Do you have a few more of those to share with us? I sure do. Thank you. Um, I was before the break, we were
3: talking about using a white cane, which is a really critical tool. Because if you don't learn how to use a white cane when you have any kind of visual impairment, you're stuck. You're home on your couch or in your easy chair, and you know, other than getting around your house or maybe your immediate yard, that's it. You know, um, I, I decided I wasn't going to be on somebody's arm the rest of my life. You know, in a, in a, that they could be the sighted guide. You know, for my existence, so I learned how to do it. You learn how to cross busy streets and get on buses and map your route and things like that and once you acquire that skill, there's nothing there's no place you can't go on your own. You have to learn how to do it just like anything else but it's it's completely doable it's a little scary at first it, even even after doing it for twelve years it's it could be a little scary. You get yourself turned around or you know no two intersections are exactly alike. Hey, um, I get turned around even with my full sight. Exactly. That's why we have (laughs) GPS now. There actually is GPS for the blind as well. Um, Oh, interesting. Yes, it's very interesting. But um, then once you've got your skill with the white cane and you're, you know, a pretty good traveler, you have the choice to decide to use the white cane as your primary mobility tool or you could possibly get a four-legged furry partner. And um, I chose to get a guide dog in uh, July of 2001. I attended Guide Dogs for the Blind for a whole month, lived there at the school in the dorms, and trained from six o'clock in the morning until 9 pm every day, six days a week, and we had Sundays off to do laundry and things and just crash and sleep and um, I got my, my guide dog Callahan. he is um, this next month in November he'll be an 11 year old black Labrador retriever. Uh, he is my first guide dog and He changed my life. You know, I'll never forget the first day that I was introduced to him, and we went to downtown San Rafael, and it was my turn to walk with Callahan. And it was the first time in two and a half years that I didn't have a white cane in my hand, and I took a hold of his harness and gave him the command forward. And he took off like a bullet train because he was 22 months old and ready to, you know, ready and raring to go. He pulled me forward like I was skiing behind a boat. Oh, my. And my hair was blowing in the wind. His ears were flopping in the wind. And my trainer's like, hang on, go with him, go with him. <laughs> I was just like, the freedom of, oh, my gosh, I'm walking downtown San Rafael at the busy lunch hour. And I'm not... I was flying. I was walking as fast as I used to when I could see. It was an amazing moment for me. So,
2: so you have I can to just picture it. And and you sent a great picture of you and uh, and your beautiful dog. And and he is indeed. Isn't he quite a champion? And you know he
3: has. Um, he's got. He's got white around his muzzle now. He used to be jet black, and now he's got this beautiful white muzzle. You know uh-huh. he's aging very beautifully, and. Um, and then some other adaptive technology, quickly, I'll cover. It's very important to move forward if you do want to have an independent lifestyle. Working on a computer was a priority for me, just like independent travel. And I just have a regular laptop, and I have something called screen reading software. There are a number of programs out there that you that you could purchase. Um, and what they do is what you see visually on the screen, the text you see, it reads audibly to the person with no sight. So I'm able to do Word documents, and um, I, I do a lot of research on the Internet for my business, and, you know, keeping up on statistics and data and things like that. And um, Outlook, you know, I use the Outlook and uh, email. You know, Cheryl you and I have been emailing back and forth. You know, I love email. I hope I was spelling okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were doing great. And it's funny that you should say that because sometimes when – when people, I'll have family members who will send me um, emails, and you know, like at the end of it, they do XOXO, you know, for hugs and kisses or something, and so when they do XOXOXO, my screen reading software goes, <laughs> like, trying to pronounce XOXOXO like a word, and I have to go back, you
2: know, left arrow over it and go,
3: what did they just say? <laughs> Well, so I tend to be real cryptic sometimes
2: with my email with people I know well, and uh, I can just imagine how how some of that might come across.
3: So. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny actually. So, um, but you also develop an ear for it. When I first learned how to use a screen reader, I, I had to slow it way down and you know learn as it spoke <laughs> like this because when it was reading at just regular. Speech speed, I was like, what? I thought it was Chinese. I couldn't understand a word it was saying. But, uh, but you, you become adapted and just like anything else. And when that is your only path to written communication, you, you figure it out in a hurry. Hmm. So I don't use a mouse. Um, people who are blind or have um, uh, no sight at all, they, they use a keyboard to do all the commands, much like the old DOS program where you didn't really use the mouse point-and-click method. You just did everything with your keyboard strokes, so you learn how to do that. So um, that's how, you know, I'm able to interact with my world and run a business and run my my household and things like that. uh,
4: If you don't mind, um, I oftentimes um, kind of put myself in the place of the listeners and asking for them some of the questions that I know are probably going through their head. One of the questions that I'm sure they're asking is this. Uh, do you still hold out hope that one day you'll see again?
3: Sure, absolutely. Um, I I think anything's possible, and a day without hope is, you know, not a day worth living. Exactly. You know, I think there's hope on every aspect of our planet Earth, you know, from ending wars to ending, you know, hunger to, you know, for, for me getting my sight back. But I do not pine away, waiting for it to happen.
4: Right, right, exactly.
3: So that it could happen.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, just like, you know, I think about war. We all would love war to come to an end. We can all believe that it's actually going to happen, but we have to get up every day and get on with it in the meantime. Well,
4: that's right.
3: So, um, you know, who knows, Ken? Maybe someday there
4: will be a way Well, for it. you know, my only point is you hear so many stories about, uh, you know, things that happened and miracles that have occurred, uh, you know, people that uh, – you know, can't see, or have lost your hearing, or something, and you just uh, have to say to yourself, uh, "You, you know, you've earned so much, you deserve so much, and it just seems so unfair that you work so hard and try so hard, and yet." But look what it's brought you. Look at the miracles it's brought you in terms of your business and the relationships you have with others. And share with us some of your, or maybe a couple of your inspirational stories that are so wonderful with other people.
3: Well, you know, first of all, the fact that you and I are having a conversation right now is solely because I have no sight and I've lived the life in the last 12 years that I have lived. Exactly. I am happier today than I have ever been. I feel freer and more resolute about helping people to free themselves from this belief we have that you have to see out of both of your eyes. You have to hear through both of your ears. You have to be able to um, have no speech impediment. You have to be able to run and walk on both of your legs. You have to be able to use both of your hands and your arms to manipulate your environment. It's not true. I'm here to tell you there is life after acquiring a disability. Key points is allow yourself to grieve the loss of what was so that you can really Turn, excuse me, turn the page and see that the beginning of the next chapter is a completely blank sheet of paper. And then on the left side of your book, your life's book, it's got writing and it's all the things that led up to this day. And then you see that clean sheet of paper and it on those, on those pages are not the words I used to see, I can't see now, there's nothing I can do, I'll never earn a living, I can't leave my house, those words are not actually on the page. Those are just words that run through our heads sometimes. So if we can grieve the, the loss of whatever the disability, the loss of your legs, the loss of the use of your legs, the loss of a hand or an arm or your hearing, whatever the disability happens to be, go ahead and grieve it and then figure out where you can go get the skills you need to make the adaptations so that you can get on with it.
4: And, Darlene, in our business, uh, the thought that comes to me is the loss of a job. I mean, we we deal with people that lose jobs, which by comparison seems so insignificant. And the message you're sharing with our listeners is just so critical relative to all the things that can, be, can do, should do, and need to do in yes. order to do all the things that are certainly within their capabilities.
3: You know what? And it all comes down to the very same thing. We're all human beings, every single solitary one of us. And what we have is this ability to have a thought, and then we believe the thought. And if the belief we've attached to says, I shouldn't have lost my job, and if we stay there you can see the parallel is exactly the same.
4: Exactly right.
3: You know, it's like I shouldn't have lost my job. They shouldn't have downsized. They shouldn't have done that. They should have done it differently. I shouldn't have bought the house. I shouldn't have overextended. I shouldn't have done this. Well, guess what? It happened. It's done. Again, look at the page on the left side of your book. It's all written right there. Now look to the right side. It's a blank sheet. Where are you going to go from here? You know, I, I think that when we, you know, I think when things fall away from our lives, Cheryl and Ken, we've been spared. You know, that's the course of events. Now now, what do we do? You know, when I did get the skills and had my adaptations in hand, I did want to go back to work. And, you know, I live in Sacramento, California, and that's the state capital. And I was shocked to find that there was little to nothing in the way of career development for people who are blind or visually impaired. So I created the career development program at the Society for the Blind, which is a private nonprofit. I worked there for 6 years running the program, and I just made it up as I went along because I found I did so much research across the country and there's there was nothing in the way of vocational assessments accessible to the blind, you know, teaching people who who are blind to interview successfully with an employer, which I think we'll cover a little later in the show, and you know, I helped hundreds of visually impaired and blind individuals meet their vocational goals and and enter the competitive job market.
4: Darlene, how about veterans? We work with veterans all the time, and and many veterans coming back from Iraq, Afghanistan, blinded with a who knows bomb, or uh, you, you find the same thing with them that there aren't that many programs available to them. One minute.
3: Yes, that yes, I do find that to be the case. In fact, I've done some research on the. Um, Department of Veteran Affairs, and I'm looking into, there are a lot of rehab vocational programs for disabled veterans, but I'm having a hard time finding anything that caters directly to the veterans who are blinded or have low vision now.
4: Exactly.
2: Well, that'll be a tremendous area that you can support, uh, darling, because you've learned so much about what it takes to actually succeed. I would as, uh, love to a blinded yes. person. Yes, and that's of uh, course like to jump into. Yeah, that's one of our passions. So we look forward to working with you on that. And course, assessment is something that we do with our uh, candidates um, who are looking for new opportunities, perhaps looking for a new career. Uh, and we work with people in all stages of their career. So. I can see where there would be a lot of parallels uh, that we could work together as well. So we look forward to that. When we come into the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about the work angle, both from the perspective of the employer as well as uh, workers and the disabled. So stay tuned.
5: the experts call toll-free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com
0: are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve if you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life Go to betterjobbetterlife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively the key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com.
5: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
1: You are listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please send an email to TCS air at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Darlene O'Brien, and we're uh, doing some fast-tracking here, uh, Darlene, with the issues that uh, the disabled um, confront, especially those who are blinded like yourself. And um, you had a great job as a career counselor partnering with the State Department of Rehabilitation. Why did you choose to kind of launch out on your own as an entrepreneur?
3: Well, when I was when I started the program in January of 2002 at the Society for the Blind, I, like I said, I was just I really did go in blind, no pun intended. I had no idea the 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 challenges that lay ahead for people who were blind or visually impaired trying to get into a competitive job market. And so in working with my clients and teaching them interviewing skills and teaching them how they needed to interview from the employer's perspective. And, um, and, you know, and I wrote a whole program around that. It became really clear to me. and It didn't take me very long to figure out that even though my clients were really dressed for success, they had their education and their degrees or whatever job experience that they had under their belt and they were polished in their interviewing skills, you know, if the employer on the other side of the desk who's conducting the interview really just did, could not see their way through to accepting that a blind applicant would be a viable employee for their organization. If they just could not wrap themselves around that, then, you know, the, my job seekers were not going to get job offers. Mm-hmm. So I created Blind Ambition in August of 2003 in order to educate the other side of the desk. So I put together what started off as a blindness etiquette training and I marketed that to the federal government and they loved it and I did lots of trainings for lots of different federal agencies and I was a, a guest workshop at the Perspectives Conference in Bethesda a few years in a row and I was rated the number one workshop and it was it was going very well. And then I got this amazing phone call from one of the... the um, agencies who said, you know, a year ago you did this blindness etiquette training for us, you know, in our agencies, and it's still being talked about to this day as the best training. Can you do something across the board on multiple disabilities? And so she pointed me in the direction of this Management Directive 715, which the EEOC, or the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is the largest law firm, really, for the federal government, and they, they have this mandate for every federal agency to hire people with disabilities. And they targeted nine specific disabilities. And so this woman asked me if I could put together a similar training, you know, encompassing all nine disabilities. And so I said to her, I said, you know... I don't know. I don't know anything about Management Directive Seven Fifteen. Let me let me read through the regulations. And so I went to the website and I read through it, and it made no sense to me whatsoever. Not being offended. I was just going to say yeah. No, I mean it's like acronyms, and I'm like, oh my, coal, my goodness. So I read through it again. It made a little bit more sense. And by the fourth or fifth time, I found my niche. I thought, aha, I know where I can I can go after this. And what I decided to do was to create the training around the personal interaction between people. Not about, I I did talk about adaptive technology, I'll tell you about screen reading software, I'll talk you about different things that people with wheelchairs, how you can adapt the office and things like that. But really, it's, it's person to person that is the largest barrier for people with disabilities to become employed in this country. It's what people without disabilities think they know about what it is to have a disability. And so I tackled it from that aspect, and it's been very successful. So I call it an etiquette training only because it's really the interactive portion. Like, okay, let's say you walk out into the the lobby and you're going to interview somebody, and 30 seconds ago this candidate was just top of the list for, oh, my gosh, I hope she really works out. This is great, great resume. And you walk out there, the HR person, and you see you know, you say, Darlene O'Brien, and I stand up, and I say, yes, I'm Darlene, and Callahan stands up by my side. And, you know, what often happens is the HR person's or the hiring person's mouth drops open, like, okay, wait, nowhere on your resume did it say you were blind. Mm-hmm. And so every, every mindset, every belief that this person has about what it is to be blind comes slamming between me and the interviewer. But 30 seconds
2: earlier, I was the
3: most qualified candidate. Mm. Now all I am is the blind person in the lobby.
2: So how do you regain the momentum when when you know that's going through the employer's mind or the interviewer's mind?
3: First and foremost, I put it completely on myself, and I look her in the eye, even though I can't see her, and I put my hand out and I say, Hi, I I am Darlene O'Brien. It's a pleasure to meet you, and we shake hands. You know, it's a reciprocal thing. I put my hand out, she or he is going to take my hand. When I was training my clients at the Society for the Blind at the Career Development Program, I taught them always to look them in the eye, square off, give them your undivided attention, and put your hand out because that automatically allows them to say in their own head, they go, oh, wow, oh, this is, oh, okay, this is a professional interaction, and it brings them back into focus. Mm -hmm. If you are an employer or somebody who is meeting a person who is blind, then go ahead and put your hand out because... Let's face it, Cheryl and Ken, not every visually impaired job seeker has come through my program, right? So they may not put their hand out automatically. Some of us say can, some of us don't. So if you are a sighted individual meeting a person with low vision or no vision, go ahead and put your hand out and just verbalize, you know, hi, Darlene, you know, my name is Cheryl. My hand is out. You know, I'd like to meet you or my hand is out or may I shake your hand.
4: Verbalize
3: what you would otherwise see.
4: Colin well, that's amazing. Uh again I can think of so many directions to take the conversation in but one thing that I want to share with you which is absolutely amazing to me and and again let me let me discuss veterans uh perhaps blinded veterans those with disabilities. I mean same stereotypes are there for veterans and organizations. Uh, oh, he might have PTSD, he can't see. What could we possibly do with somebody like that? But uh, one of the things that you know we 're working on and i 'm sure you are too are helping organizations understand how absolutely valuable or even invaluable a person who is blind or a wounded vet who can offer so much more to an organization than many people and and i 'm sure you 've uh, statistics have proven that in terms of productivity and coming in an early late, working harder, 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 uh, you know, they're just over the top. Uh, are you finding that to be the case in your experience with veterans?
3: Is it my case that, I'm, that employers have a hard time accepting that? Yeah. Yes, yes, Ken, absolutely. And that is why I even created Blind Ambition in the first place, because I did experience that. And for me, It was around the issue of blindness, but, you know, you know, come on in in a wheelchair or or have a missing limb or have a prosthetic leg or, I mean, you know, any number of things could send somebody screaming in the other direction. Um, I think the, the main thing that needs to happen is that we have to help people without disabilities have a change in perspective. The number of people with disabilities across the country now total somewhere in the 54 million. We have 75 million baby boomers moving into their senior years, 50% of whom will acquire some form of disability. We've got an increase of, you know, troops coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, and the, the number of them with disabilities is staggering so staggering that I don't think we're really getting the real numbers on how many.
4: No, we're not.
3: They're saying traumatic brain injury, TBI, up to upwards of 30%. We're saying post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, you know, missing limbs, blindness, hearing impairments, um, you name it, and, you know, paralysis, all sorts of different things. And I agree with you, Ken, when you say, what a valuable asset.
0: Oh. Think no,
3: of, of what these men and women have been trained in, what their skills are, and they went over there to serve their country and to, you know, to serve side by side with, with their fellow troops and to acquire a disability and come back to the United States of America only to have an employer look the other way because now he or she has a disability. It's the same story as anybody, as, as myself. If I went to go work at a Fortune 500 company or a small business or a nonprofit or the federal government, you know, it's the same. I, I don't like to use the word prejudice um, because I think prejudice is really born of ignorance. And I think that once we... Come to understand a little bit more about blindness or paralysis or a missing limb or you know post traumatic stress disorder. There are workarounds, and a wonderful job uh, um, website is called the Job Accommodation Network. It's called JAN for short, and that just Google that. It's got every conceivable possible disability listed, and the recommendations for reasonable accommodations. And a lot of employers are frightened about it's too expensive. You know, like if you're hiring somebody who's blind, you think, well, am I going to get, you know, one for the price of two? Am I going to have to have somebody show you where the bathroom is, you know, and take you on your breaks? And no, you know, I'll learn my way around. I don't use my guide dog or my cane around my house. And when I was working at Society for the Blind, I didn't use them to get around the office. You just learn your environment.
2: And Are there any statistics, uh, Darlene, that, that you can share employers to back up that the, the uh, performance can be equal to um, someone who's not disabled?
3: There have been studies. I know that DuPont and um, Cornell universities, they, uh, DuPont Corporation and Cornell University, I know that they do studies like that. I... I don't tend to bring those statistics to my trainings or to my marketing because, you know what, this is going to seem sort of odd, but I'm going to flip this over for a moment. I am such a proponent of people without disabilities viewing people with disabilities as equals that I am reticent to bill us as superhuman and i'm not I'm not i don't I don't think that I think that sometimes when i'm when I'm up in front of a group of people, I would do a disservice to the group if if they thought I was so amazing and so awe inspiring and so different that they walked out of the hall going, "Well, she can do that, but I'd never be able to because I think that that does them the disservice because yes, they can we all can we can all rise to the occasion when we need to. And that's what our men and women are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan did. They rose to the occasion, and now they have disabilities, and they're going to rise to that occasion too. And they're, they're you know, young men and women. They need to earn a living. They have families to raise. They just want to work like everybody else. You know, they're oh. going to bring those skills to the table. They're going to bring determination and, and, you know, an excellent mindset to the table.
2: I think well, well, darling, we need to take a little break here, but when we'll get back, we'll talk uh, more about the job search strategies and opportunities to help our disabled um, fill the gap that we have, uh, the talent gap that uh, exists in organizations. So stay tuned.
5: This Opinion your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to betterjobbetterlife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today we'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action get the interview you want with a world-class resume make your references work for you and beat the competition network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement research more effectively the key to more job leads stronger interviews and higher pay Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com
5: successful life the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com
1: you are listening to total career success with ken and Cheryl dawson do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to air at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Darlene O'Brien, and we've discussed some of the etiquette issues for employers and workers uh, who associate with uh, the disabled and how the disabled can be more employable and uh, better prepared to market themselves. Yet the gap in understanding the value of disabled workers and the vast number of disabled, which is actually growing, is uh, is quite staggering, Darlene. How can we increase awareness of this tremendous pool of talent and access it more effectively? That's a great
3: question. Um, I think that there are several different ways to do it. I think finding out, you know, getting hooked up with your local State Department of Rehabilitation. If you're an employer who is looking to increase your pool of candidates who have disabilities, then go to the State Department of Rehabilitation in your state, in your local area, and every state has it, and tell them, hey, you know, I'm ABC Corporation. We're looking to increase our pool of candidates with disabilities. Um, I know that you have, you know, um, people that you work with who have disabilities who are being retrained because they've acquired a disability. If you're interested in the veterans, you can go to the Department of Veteran Affairs and you can um, get in touch with them in your local area. Every area has a Veterans Affairs. And, you know, they are working with these men and women in vocational rehabilitation, and they would love to partner with employees, employers who are looking to recruit. One of the things that the federal government is doing, which I I really applaud, is that it's through the Department of Labor. It's called the Workforce Recruitment Program. And what they do is they go into universities across the country, and they go into the Disabled Services um, Departments And they recruit, they go in there and they they give orientations to the students who are on campuses who have disabilities, who are going to have a harder time finding work than the students without disabilities upon graduation. And they go in there and they they recruit, they interview these these young adults, and they recruit them into internships in various federal agencies across the country. And, you know, you could fly to Washington, D.C. for the summer and, you know, work on on, uh, Capitol Hill if that's, you know, if you're a political science major or you can go across the country if you're an engineer or environmental studies, whatever it is. And, you know, a lot of the internships are paid and some of them are not. But um, it's an amazing program that, you know, gives the, the young Americans who are, you know, ready to go out into the workforce who have disabilities, gives them a better opportunity
4: There's nothing we can do, Darlene, and that is uh, one of the things that I work on and and work with others on is uh, creating and expanding what I call pro-veteran employers. We can do exactly the same thing with disabilities, okay? Pro-disability employers expand the number of employers who who not only recruit but seek out those with disabilities because they make such outstanding employees.
3: That's true, and we just, we just really need to get the message across that it's a person first. The disability is a secondary characteristic. I am Darlene O'Brien. I've been Darlene O'Brien for 46 years. I used to be able to see. Now I can't see. I'm still that same human being, but now one of my characteristics is that, you know, I have blindness. It does not define who I am. So these individuals are coming back from serving our country overseas and they have disabilities. This is These are still the same men and women who left our country to go serve, you know, that didn't have disabilities. They're the same human beings. They bring back the same attributes that they left with. You know,
2: that hasn't changed in the slightest. Darlene, you mentioned some of the uh, positive things that the federal government is doing to uh, facilitate the um uh, the adaptation process, both for the uh, those with disabilities as well as employers. How about the law itself? Um, is that a, a positive or a negative for employers when they try to uh, abide by it? I think it's. I
3: think it's both, Cheryl. I think the ADA celebrated its 20-year anniversary this July. So in 1990, the ADA was passed, and it was landmark legislation and it was good for everyone because we need to and in this country we proved it over and over again we need to we need to institute institutional change in order for change to actually take place if you leave it on the backs of certain employers that you know get it and then they it's up to them to hire people with disabilities but the rest of them are not their feet are not held to the fire then there is no there is no mandate and you know we need civil rights in this country and you would have thought in the 1960s you know just 40 years ago you know with with african americans in our country you would have thought i mean who had to explain it to us that everybody had equal rights under the law well guess what we had to institute an you know an institutional change in order for everybody to come on board and so that's what we're doing with
2: this so well, incredibly uh we're just on the last minute of uh the program so what, would you, uh, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today?
3: I would like the listeners to know that it's person first, disability second. If you're looking to hire somebody, please look at their qualifications. They're not going to apply for the work that they, they're not qualified to do. You can make the adaptations easier than you think. It's not that expensive. It's, you know, average cost is $500. And, you know, just look at the person's qualifications instead of their disability.
2: And, Darlene, how can folks get a hold of you for your workshops or presentations?
3: Well, I'd like to give you my business phone number, which is area code 916-899-4136. Once again, it's 916-899-4136. What did I say? And you can reach me via email, Darlene O'Brien at comcast.net.
2: And you can also visit our blog. We'll have uh, a little um, uh, overview of of Darlene's program. So thank you again for a fascinating show. This is a great need of of organizations, and we hope everyone will make a difference with the disabled person that's in your life.
4: Darlene, you're a wonderful person. We're honored to have you on our show, and we're really, really looking forward to meeting you.
2: Thank you, Cheryl and Ken. Take care of yourself. Be with us next week for another great show.
1: again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.